So, remember in John 4 when the disciples are talking to Jesus about a woman and Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look, the fields are already white to harvest. You don't have to wait. I love, uh, I love the stories about Haiti and China, that God's at work and we get to be a part of that in some different ways, different ones of us. It's exciting. If we're sitting on our hands and we think there's nothing going on, there's actually a lot going on. We just need to lift our eyes up and see that. Hey, I wanted, before getting into the message this morning too, I wanted to bring back something we talked about a few weeks ago in this current series. Remember I mentioned that there was a law being uh, considered in the California House and it would have effectively uh, ended up probably killing every uh, post-secondary Christian college and seminary in California because what it did uh, without saying so in as many words was it invited people to sue these schools and that law did pass out of the California House last week but it was without that most egregious language that was struck the effect of that was that lots of churches in California got together and said we need to band together we need to be ready for these things so did the universities and seminaries. It's actually not clear right now why Lara, the, the congressman there, the representative, struck the language. It's still a little bit up in the air. But lots of Christians also ended up uh, contacting the businesses that are funding uh, these pushes in California as well. So whether that was a response to the church and to the institutions and Christians getting together, or if there's something else going on, at least for the time being, that thread has has gone the way of uh, the dodo and other things. So we'll see where that goes in coming weeks. You know, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You guys know Scripture speaks as much to us today as it did a hundred years or a thousand years, and, and that humanity doesn't change, right? Technology changes, our circumstances change, but people don't change, basically. So here's a brief version of a story out of Acts 17. And uh, Kent quoted from this last week. I'm quoting from Acts 17 for a different reason this morning. But the setting was this. Uh, Paul had been encouraged to flee Berea because he was being persecuted again. Paul, get out of here and we'll come later. And so the, the guys, Tim and some of the others, are back at Berea. Paul's in Athens. He's gone on ahead. And he's waiting for his buddies to catch up. And while he's there, he's going around the city and there's idols everywhere, right? And Athens is a very rich, influential city. And he's getting stirred up seeing all these religions that just take people to hell, right? Worshiping gods that are no gods. And so he starts talking in the marketplace to these folks, anyone that will listen, to talk about the hope of forgiveness and life in Christ. And as he does so day to day, some of the guys, the professional philosophers and wranglers and harangers, hear him. And they say, hey, we want to hear more of this. Now listen to this from Acts 17, 20 and 21. They said, you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now this is Luke's commentary. He didn't have to put this in. But as Luke records Paul's story, this is what he says editorially. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Now think about that for just a minute. So they invite him up to what's called the Areopagus. We call it Mars Hill typically, and it's that place in the center of Athens, and some of the other old uh, relics look down on it today. You can see this online. They say, come up here to this forum, and we'll hear you out. And then 
Luke tells us that all they wanted to do was hear or tell something new. That's what the Athenians were up to. They had leisure, they were wealthy, and so all they're doing is sitting around talking philosophizing. What's the newest idea? What's the latest bit of gossip? Or what's the latest tidbit? Do you know where we're going with this, by the way, this morning? Can you guess? We live in a time in which the Athenian propensity to focus on telling and hearing something new, being the latest thing, the first to know about the recent scandal, newsflash, or personal tidbit, has been raised to an entirely new level. And the reason that this is so is because of social media. Social media. Guys, we have nothing on the Athenians. They had nothing on us. We just have some technology that allows us to do what they love to do, hear and tell something new. Now it's been written large because it's available to all of us all the time. The Areopagus isn't a place we've got to walk to. It's not a hill we climb anymore. It's just a place we sit down at our laptop, our phone, our touchpad, whatever, and we plug in with Paul at Mars Hill. The degree to which this Athenian lifestyle is with us is only possible because of this new medium. And what I'm talking about here this morning is Facebook, WhatsApp, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Now, if we went down this list, we'd just keep going here for minutes. Wikipedia lists 212 what they call major social media apps or platforms. That doesn't count any of the dating sites. It doesn't count the ones they consider minor. 212 major social media apps. We're in week four of the summer series, What the Righteous Do. In week one, we're posing the question from Psalm 11, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? As the sands of our culture shift around us, and we're looking for foundations that used to exist by which we can appeal to other people, those foundations are gone, what do we do? And we've talked about that in a number of different realms this morning. We're talking about that in the context of social media. We're asking the question with Facebook in mind, are we really friends? Isn't it interesting that we've taken a, a term which was somewhat elastic anyway, right? They're my friend. I'm their friend. But now you've stretched it almost beyond recognition through social media. What does it mean if I'm a friend with someone else online on a social media app? It could be absolutely meaningless. But thinking about deeds, what do we do? You guys know uh, we say lots of things. You know the longer you live, the more you realize this. Don't necessarily believe what you hear. Believe what you see. Not what someone says, but what they do. What do we do with social media? How do we redemptively interact in social media? How do Christ's followers honor Him and love their neighbors through this vehicle? And I'll say this again before we quit. I am not saying don't use social media this morning. Please, whatever you hear, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, how do we act redemptively in this social give and take on a worldwide scale? that you can, I can go to Mars Hill on our computer and we can interact socially with people all over the globe. This is crazy. When friendship has been in many cases reduced by social media to a digital click or to a form of voyeurism or as a means of saying online things we would never say to someone to their face or would not say without nuancing or without being more careful, what do the righteous do? What do we do in regards to social media? We're going to start looking at some statistics 
Hopefully when we're done this morning, we're going away saying social media is a really important tool that Christians have at their disposal that we need to use critically and biblically. So how do we do that well? How do we use social media? How do we do social media well? Guys, I'm going to rattle through a bunch of statistics. I've got a full page here, but so don't go to sleep. Stay with me. The reason I'm citing this is it is hard to get a grasp on the effect of social media apart from the numbers connected to their use, to this medium's use. So I am not a person who uses social media a lot, right? But I absolutely respect its power its influence. And if you think about it, just in the last several years, social media has helped to top national governments, topple national governments. It's given a window to the world in otherwise repressed nations. Social media has been a great tool for people seeking freedom. It's transformed the way much of the world gets its news and interacts with each other. Social media is the way we reconnect. I think Kent was talking about Babel, Genesis 11 not long ago. Social media is part of the world now coming back together, speaking almost, as it were, the same language again. It gives the world the opportunity, if you will, to rebuild at Babel. We're coming together in this communication forum. Big picture on social media. Last year, world population was estimated at about 7.3 billion people. 7.3 billion. The Internet now has about 3.5 billion users. Now think, think of this in perspective. Think of poor third world countries. Think of India and China. Together, those two countries have about almost two and a half billion people. But they're third world. Much of their countries are third world. They don't have a lot of technology, right? They don't have a lot of affluence or, or wealth. But almost half of the world is on the internet. This is staggering. Almost one out of two. There are 2.3 billion active social media users. Across the planet, about one in three people is on social media. You can reach over 30% of the world's population on social media. This is crazy. Never before in the history of the planet have you had this kind of access to this many people. Internet users have an average of five and a half social media accounts. You know, we have an average of two and a half children per family. We have an average of five and a half social accounts per person. Uh, social media is growing about 10% a year. WordPress alone is a platform for blog sites and web websites. WordPress alone, 56 million blog posts published every month. 56 million blog posts a month on one platform. By the way, you know David King's the guru on all things social media and all kinds of platforms. He can correct me. I'm wrong on, if I'm wrong on these, but that is staggering, and that's just maybe 30%, 40% of the, the market, WordPress, 25%. So on 25%, you're getting 56 million blog posts a month. Facebook sees 8 billion average daily video views from over 500 million users. You're starting to get the scale of how big this thing is. Snapchat users watch 6 billion videos every day. 78% of people watch online videos per week. 55% watch every day. I think your study sheet should, by the way, have the sources for the, the uh, numbers I'm giving you there. If you go to Facebook specific, and Facebook is the big kid on this social media block, right? Most recognizable name. It's what we think of. 
Facebook adds over half a million new users every day, six a second. 72% of all online U.S. adults visit Facebook at least once a month. Three out of four of us who are online at all, that's most of us, are on Facebook at least once a month. The average, and this is where friends again takes on this new almost irrelevant meaning. The average mean number of friends for a Facebook user is 338. And the median or midpoint number of friends for us on Facebook is 200. I didn't know you guys were so popular. I am not this popular because I don't have any of these numbers. Oh, 81 million fake Facebook pages or people. 81 million fake. Are we really, do we know who we're interacting with on Facebook? Maybe not. Listen to this. This is from second quarter this year. Facebook. 6.4 billion revenue with 2.1 billion billion net income. A profit margin of almost a third. What business would not want to operate with that profit margin? That's up 186% from the previous year. Related to Facebook. Related to the business. So you've got this many people on social media. Do you think businesses taken note of that? People that have products and, and services to sell you and me. People that want to influence us. Here are all these people fishing a barrel. We're going to take advantage of that. Did you guys hear, by the way, on the news last week, Facebook a change in its software upgrades. <clears throat> they have an ad blocking defeat measure now that you can't block the ads on Facebook. At least that's their hope. And they did surveys and they said people really aren't interested in protecting their privacy. It's just content that they're concerned with. So, so face just on all the Facebook users, they've changed it so you can't block ads on Facebook. They're going to, they're going to do more to custom tailor the ads you see, but you can't block ads on Facebook as of last week. At least that's what the news said. At 91% of retail brands use two or more social media channels. So, you know, when we go online on social media, we're after what we're after. So we're contacting a friend or a family member. We're catching up with one person or another. But those pages aren't blank, right? Because across the top or the bottom or the sides, there are ads. So the have you guys ever heard somebody say, I'm not affected by advertising? And you're like, wow, there's a lot of stupid business owners, aren't there? Because they're spending a bunch of money on advertising and no one's affected by it. That's amazing. So at the businesses are in this too, right? So we're not only being influenced by the folks we're interacting with and reading, we're also being influenced by the advertisers, by the businesses that are trying to get us. And guys, some of these links, right? When you go on and here's this, uh, here's a link to this news thing or that. They just want to get you to their site because that's ad revenue. If you'll simply visit their site, this has to do with their advertising dollars. There's a lot of manipulation going on through social media. Uh, let me keep going. I'll just let you read some of the other. Uh, you've got some of these on your page, by the way. Uh, personal averages. So where does this hit you and me? If you're in the U.S., if you're like folks here at Lion Lamb, where does this hit you and me? U.S. adults spend an average of an hour and 16 minutes each day watching video on digital services. I know that's not true of anyone here, but it's true of everyone else. Half of us aged 18 to 34 years old check Facebook when we wake up. Now, I found this interesting. The first thing, half of us 18 to 34-year-olds, the first thing we do when we get up is we check Facebook. Now, I've got an idea. 
I've talked to the Lord about it, and I said, Lord, if you would go to a Facebook account, I think you'd get more people checking in with you first thing in the morning. Don't you think? That's the solution. Facebook. Half of that group are doing face. It's the first thing they do when they get up. The average Facebook user is on Facebook about one hour a day. Now think about this. Now that's... You know, when I was a kid growing up, and you were talking about the growing influence of television, right? But so television is swallowed. Now it's just part of this huge, huge media presence internationally. So listen to this. Combine Facebook use with an average of almost three hours a day of television or movies, and the average person among us is spending about four hours a day, or about one in four hours of waking time, 20%, 25% of their conscious day on media, TV, and social media. Now just think about that for a second. A fourth of our waking hours being influenced by media. Do you think media is affecting the way we think and what we believe and what we choose and how we act? You know, again, it's like the person that says, I'm unaffected by advertising. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. You are affected. Guys, we are being affected by media and this morning specifically talking about social media. We're living online. And the interactions we're having with each other, knowingly or unknowingly, they are influencing us. Most of us, many of us, are more influenced by our online presence than our face-to-face presence. It's just that we tend not to know it. We tend not to recognize that. Compare that thought about one in four waking hours with these numbers. Reading per day, average for most of us, is about 20 minutes a day. I thought that sounded high. 20 minutes a day. Sports or exercise, about 17 minutes. And intentional social event times, about 4 minutes. Now even if you throw in an hour a day for meals where we might sit down with each other and talk face to face, you can see that the primary force that we're interacting in or through that's affecting us, that's an extension of our life or an extension of the lives of others into us, is online. It's not face-to-face. It's not interpersonal as in face-to-face. It's online. And social media is the lion's share of that. It is a staggeringly powerful influence on us today. And even if you're not, if, if these numbers don't reflect your life, and they don't reflect mine yet, if they don't reflect your life, they affect the lives of the folks you're interacting with, and therefore they do affect you. One of the numbers I skipped over before, whatever percentage of households where the person doesn't view Facebook, the other person does. So vicariously they're being influenced by Facebook and social media as well. So our friends and our social media buddies are consuming our waking hours, our focus in life, and really you'd say this at the bottom line, the affections of our hearts. What are we passionate about? Guys, we're passionate about online. We're passionate about social media. We're passionate about this electronic exchange we're getting. We'll talk about this in just a second. But the affections of our heart are represented by this online presence. 
by any measure, internet use and social media specifically occupy a formative force in almost all of our lives. So, what are the net effects of our use of social media? How is it shaping us? What are we getting for the trade? Because remember, all of this represents time, doesn't it? Time, focus, energy. What are we getting for the trade? At the end of the day, shake it out. What do we get for our use of social media? How do, what does this do to our ability to meditate in God's Word, to think deeply and to pray consistently? What does it do to that? What does this do to our ability to invest significantly in the real lives of others and for them to invest in us? Meaningful personal interaction. Now in saying this, and I want to be careful here again, social media is amoral. The internet is amoral. It's stuff. It's technology. It's not inherently good or bad. It's just a tool. The thing for us is not to say a tool is bad. It's to critically and biblically evaluate how to use the tool to best advantage for God's cause and God's kingdom. So that's where we want to end this morning. It's not to bash Facebook or say, get off social media. It's to say, in the context of this very powerful tool, how do you use it well? How do you use it in a way that reflects God's heart, God's affections for us, and our affections for others? How does that happen? So to that, if you say, and I ask the question, what's the big deal? What's the buzz? What's the hunger for Facebook and all things social media, especially social media as far as being online? What are we getting from this? I've got three things I'm going to share. I think these are the biggies for me. You might think of some others. These are the three ones that I come up as biggies. And the first one is this. We want to know things. We want knowledge. And we want up-to-date knowledge. We want to know. This is not a bad thing, right? Christians are commanded to grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord. We, we should grow. In fact, God's omniscient. He knows all things. We're made in His image. We are made. We're designed to learn and to grow in our knowledge. But all knowledge is not equal, right? So in the Garden of Eden, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was the temptation of knowledge that God didn't intend that led to our first parents' downfall. So we're designed to know. And guys, we're driven. I hope we are. I hope we're driven to learn and to grow. That's all a good thing. It's just that in this medium, what are we learning? And what knowledge are we laying hold of? And do we have a filter? Or do we have a grid that's adequate to say some things are worth knowing and some things are not? You know, on the, on the lowest, basest end of things, you can go on social media and it's base and it's degraded and it's immoral and it's terrible. But on another level, you can get to lots of things on social media that are just banal. It's not that they're inherently evil or bad. It's just what difference does this make in your life and why do you care if you know it or not? What did you trade that time you gave to learn those meaningless facts or to follow up on people you don't know and will never know? What did that do for you? What did you get for the trade? You got some knowledge, but was the knowledge worth having? That's a big thing. We want to know. And guys, just like the Athenians, we want to be the first to know, to tell, or to hear some new thing. 
Part of this is the same thing. Do you not find that, in fact, I'm struck routinely, I'll hear, because someone tells me, I'll hear about a news event. So I go online to check out the news event. The initial news event, which is hours old, has already passed. They're on to reflection, and I can't even get the facts about the event. We're already on to the commentators figuring it all out. Well, social media is that faster. You know, if your news is an hour old, forget it, we've moved on. It's instant. It's just like Mars Hill. Uh, we're the same now that we were then. Uh, do we care what Sally wore to the prom last night? Uh, what is Justin driving? Who is Blake dating or married to now? How much did Taylor make last year? You can get all this online, right? Social media, whoo, changed my life or not, right? So you can go all over the place with this stuff. What, what's the knowledge we're pursuing and getting and is it worth having? So knowledge is a big deal. What are we trading our time for? What knowledge are we, are we pursuing through social media? And of course, a lot of this, by the way, on scale of things. So social media, we might say, my use of social media is Alan and I are uh, Facebook friends, and so we keep up with each other. And it's very small, it's very narrow, but it might mean that I'm on someone's Facebook and I'm interacting with people all over the world on that Facebook. It could be quite diverse and quite scattered. So... As you think about what this looks like on application for you, it will vary probably from the, the way you interact with people that are very close friends, real friends, or relatives versus the people that I'll never know on planet Earth, but I'm interacting with on social media anyway. So there's a real diversity of the way you end up applying this, just depending on that relationship. The second thing that we're after is this. We're wired for relationships. You know, the Trinity is the first social media account. One God with three persons that are always socializing with each other. Always communicating back and forth with each other. We're made in the image of God. We are made to be social creatures. It can't be otherwise. So part of our drive, the hunger for things like Facebook and all things social media is that we're wired to be social creatures. God has made us so that we interact with other people. That we know them and they know us. That we're in relationships that change us and that, guys, at some level that validate us, that encourage us, that give us a sense of purpose and place. And, and in the good sense of things, that's all healthy and normal and good. All of that's potentially good. But a lot of it's not, too, Right? You know, ultimately, we should be able to say, if I stand before God, think of Romans 8. If God doesn't condemn me, who can condemn me? If God approves me, what difference does it make if you don't think I'm so much? Should that be a big deal? Not at all. Ultimately, we live for God's approval. Our society ultimately is with God himself, first and primarily. But social media can, can end up helping us focus on being approved by other people instead of God. Seeking our validation through our online affirmation instead of perhaps the personal relationships God means us to or through Him Himself. So we want others to know us and we want to know others. We want to stay in touch with family and close friends. And guys, this is where my foot's in the water on social media. So our family uses Google+. 
And we use Google Plus to share family photos and videos with our family. And that's semi-regular. We also use the app WhatsApp. So that if somebody wants prayer in the moment, it's the WhatsApp app that I get the little ding on and it says, Jesse said this. I went to the doctor and this is what they said. Or something like that. So we're keeping in contact with people we know and care about. All which is great. We want to let people who know us pray for us and know how we're doing, what we're struggling with, and how we need help. Good thing. They know us, we know them. They pray for us, we pray for them. We want to know how our family and close friends are doing and what's going on in their lives, right? All of this, relational, the way we're wired for, all, all potentially positive. But the valid desire to know and be known easily can be, uh, lead us to trading the real relationships for pseudo-ones trading real friends for shadow friends. I went online to find uh, who's got the most fans, followers, friends online. Whether this is still current, this is a few weeks old. So I didn't even know Cristiano Ronaldo of Real Madrid Soccer Club. Do you guys know this guy? Never heard of him. But he's got 113 million fans on Facebook. And singer Shakira has 105 million. Actor Vin Diesel has 100 million the average Facebook user we already cited has two to three hundred friends, and then you start saying, "What does that really mean? What does it mean that I have two or three hundred digital friends? Is in what context is that meaningful? Now there is potentially there's some there's some meaning there potentially, but what does it mean to call those friendships? Have we stretched the use of the term beyond its limit? Michael Horton from his recent book, Ordinary, says this, and this is looking at the potential downside of using social media, ending up in a way that we're actually just trying to be affirmed. He says, we crave approval, but we don't even know what the real measurement is, even though we sense that we've fallen short of it. This is the human experience, right? This is that we're naked morally and we can feel it and and if we're not rightly apprehending the righteousness we have in Christ, we feel deficient. We're looking for someone or something to fill up that deficiency. He says, suppressing our awareness of God and God's approval, we shift the source of our validation to other people. And that's what's going on for a lot of us with the use of social media. We're seeking validation by pseudo-friendships on social media. I thought this was great. He says... We have to live up to our Facebook profile. It's one of the newer versions of salvation by works. That's profound. I have to live up to my Facebook profile. It's one of the newer versions of salvation by works. I've got to be validated. Here's a means of validation. So social media can be a great way to stay in touch with some kinds of relationships it can't ultimately substitute for the face-to-face relationships and encounters God means us to have. Proverbs 27.10 is good to remember. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother that's far away. Guys, we'll have, we can have intimate, uh, formative relationships with those folks that we're with. More so than people that we're interacting with only via social media. The last thing is this. What, the hunger for all things social media is influence. We want to influence others. Have you guys ever read an article? In fact, my foray online to my own blog was because I read something I was outraged by, and I simply wanted a vehicle by which I could say, this is my take on that. I wanted to influence what others thought. 
That's why I started a blog. We want to influence, right? And as Christians, we're under mandate to be influencers, right? Matthew 28. So go and make disciples. Go and influence others to take on faith in Jesus and be transformed into His image and likeness by obeying all of His commands. Christians are under mandate to influence, but we also want to influence because it's part of our human nature. We want to influence what others think. Social media can be a great means of influencing others. Now guys, I've told you this before, but it was this thought of Facebook interaction that really precipitated this whole six-week series. And it was because of what I saw as less than healthy Facebook interaction between Christians, between folks in Lion and Lamb. We can do this thing really well and we can do it really poorly. The attempt to influence others, the way we're interacting with each other on social media. So if you do it well, we're trying to graciously and shrewdly influence what others think if we do it poorly, we generally come across as screeching violins. We're, we're, we're contentious. We produce friction instead of clarity. We've got to be careful about this. So social media is a great place as far as influencing others go. Now, a word on that role of social media as, as uh, influence. Predators use social media to entrap and use the young and the naive. If you're a parent with children who use social media, do they know that there are bad people online that will lie to them and want to meet them and want to cut them out from their family and meet with them? Do your, do your kids, if they use social media, do they know there are liars and scoundrels online that will abuse them if they can? And that those 81 million fake Facebook profiles, that there's a reason for some of that? There's predators online. People are seeking influence in the lives of others online, not just Christians. Governments and politicians use social media to spread propaganda and sell whatever they're selling, sell their message. That's part of influence online. Businesses, as we mentioned, businesses have gone whole hog into advertising on social media. There's a reason for that. They're influencing us online. There's a variety of religions besides the faith besides the Christian faith that are looking for disciples, influence others online. It's a place to influence. So it's a powerful tool for influencing others. So at the end of the day, what do we do? What are the righteous deeds? I know this is brief. It's obviously a huge topic to cover, so we're just covering some high points here. But if you get down to the end of the day and we say, what are the righteous deeds? How do we do this thing well? Here's a few thoughts. The first is generally... Limit your use of social media. Limit your use of social media. Guys, we know in finances, uh, money is not eternal. We only got so much money, right? So we budget. We say we spend this much on groceries, this much on house, whatever. We budget it. Our time is more precious than our money, but oftentimes we don't budget it. At the bottom of your study sheet, there's a little graph Monday through Sunday. You could write down, if you wanted to, in the next week, how much time you average on email and social media just to get some sense of what this looks like for you. Real time, real use. What does that look like for you? If time is money or if it's the equivalent, then we end up having to prioritize. We say we can't afford A because we're paying for B. And with the use of social media, we really need to be saying... We're budgeting our time so that we know how much and how often we can afford to use social media. 
It should be budgeted. And if we budget it, then we end up prioritizing. And you know what you'll find you'll probably need to do? You'll probably need to develop fewer friends, however we define friends now, fewer friends, and interact with them more deeply. Right? Because if this is our life, and then the spheres of influence as we go out, circles of influence and knowledge, the further afield we get, the less we need to maintain those. You might have a relationship that you check in on Facebook with once a month or once a quarter, whatever, just to keep tabs. It's not an important relationship, but something you're interested in, I'll keep a tab occasionally. I can afford that. But other people, you might say, I'm praying for Sally. I'm on her Facebook every morning. That's fine. That would be appropriate. That'd be real. That'd be real relationship. But that's what you'd have to do. You'd have to budget it. You'd have to prioritize. That'd be the first thing. If you didn't do anything else, that'd be enough. Ephesians 5.15 speaks to this whole thing about the use of our time. Paul said there, look carefully then how you walk, how you live, how you spend your life and your time, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It's as true now as when Paul wrote it. What's the best use of our time in regards to social media? Because there are varying degrees of how profitable our use of that is. What's the best use of our time on social media? Related to taking in, what we take in from social media, and this is not a trick, but my first thing to tell you about the use of social media is read your Bible. Read your Bible. Meditate on your Bible. Memorize your Bible. Obey your Bible. Put God's Word into your mind and your heart so that God's Word and His commands become the filter, become the sieve by which we use social media. Remember, all the hours per day we average online, we're being formed by that use. What's helping us be formed appropriately or helpfully? We're buying what somebody's selling. And if we don't start by knowing what God wants for us in this, we're buying, even unconsciously, what someone else is selling. So is our mind first and foremost shaped by the truth of God's Word? Have we taken it in, made it our own? Are we therefore biblically and critically biblically looking at our use of social media? Then it's great. Then we've got a mechanism for doing that well. But if we're not being formed initially by the truth of God's Word, we won't be able to use social media well. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is inspired and it's profitable so that you'll be prepared for every good work. Interaction on social media. You'll be prepared if you've got the truth of God's Word in your mind and your heart. You'll be prepared. You'll be ready. If you're watching online videos, be choosy. Social media, totally included. Be choosy. There's a book that came out a couple years ago by a Christian. He said this, for every one book you read, there's 17,000 other books you'll never read. Just because of the length of life, the average reading we do, one for 17,000. If you took that metric and you multiplied it times millions or billions, it would apply to videos online. If you choose to watch those videos, be careful about what you're... For one video you see, there's millions or billions you're not. What's worth your time? There's great... Uh, just watched a great Christian testimony social media just last week. It was great. It was outstanding. But what are we trading? What are we viewing online? We should be careful about what we're seeing. Don't friend or follow people whose online presence proves to be a negative influence for you. Do you find sometimes that you go to someone's Facebook page and it just ticks you off? 
Well, why go there? If that's the norm, why go there? You know, if you find that some interaction elicits the worst in you instead of the best, why go there? Just be careful about where you're going, what it invites you to do. So what we're taking in, we're filtering, primarily we're filtering through the truth, the lens of God's Word. What are we giving out? And we need to be really careful here, guys. What are we giving out in our use of social media? What are we saying? Use our words as if that person were in front of us. This doesn't always apply equally, but generally, if that person I'm talking about was right in front of me, how would I say that? What would I say if they were right here? Uh, Generally, a pretty good guideline about how honest I'm being or if I'm shading the truth for my benefit or against them. If I was saying it with them present, how would I say it? Use Larry Stewart's teaching on James and the use of the tongue. This was just about a month ago. Because everything that applies to the use of the spoken word applies to the written word as well. Guys, have you ever pushed send or I don't know what you push on Facebook? Whatever, whatever we push. And then you had this pang, like, oh man, why'd I say that? Oh man, why'd I say it that way? We want to call we want to think critically before we do that. We want to think and speak graciously. We want to aim for gracious interaction with a view to communicating the gospel to those who don't know it or to encourage and support those who do. What we're giving out. Do we regret the things we're saying, typing? We don't have to. We can be quick to hear and we can be slow to speak. Social media can be a great tool in forming and maintaining real friendships, but it can also prove to be a distraction and a diversion away from real life-giving, life-receiving friendships and relationships. Guys, Paul used the social media of his day. Mars Hill, or there's Paul updated. He used the social media of his day to invite people into relationship with the Lord and then to disciple them. Some listened to him, right? And they walked away and they kept talking about it. They were Facebook buddies or whatever. Is that what we're doing? Paul redeemed the times and the opportunities he had to promote faith and life. And the question is, are we? Are we like the Athenians? Hearing and telling something new, or are we like Paul? Are we using the Areopagus, Mars Hill, social media for the best uses possible? Lord, would you help us to think critically and biblically about social media as we should everything else? Would you help us to glorify you in our thoughts, words, and actions. Would you help us to use this medium redemptively in Jesus for his sake? Amen.